0: I wish I would have, uh, Burton. I wish I would have, uh, Burton. Where's my iconic slave role? Eh, hey, mother... I wish I would have, uh, Burton. F*** all y'all! F*** all y'all! Warp speed, don't rainbow read me n- ah!
1: scousey here with matt, matt i got a haircut what do you think do i look cute i think i look cute <laughs> you got this haircut. week in the first run matt and i are gonna say, i don't care what your first response is i know <laughs> this week in the first run matt and i well we're gonna say that magic word and return to the world of the marvel family it's captain marvel mary marvel captain marvel jr or as the current copyrights now call them the shazam family it's Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Zachary Levi and the gang return to face Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, and current Hollywood hit girl Rachel Zegler, collectively known as the Sisters of Atlas. It's supposed to be some reverb there. Then Guy Ritchie ventures away from his wheelhouse Matt, the British crime thriller, to make a sky, sky, I would like to say spy, a spy caper featuring Jason Statham, Audrey Plaza, and even more stars as they get together to stop an arms dealer, but he's a cool arms dealer. There's a lovingly cultivated rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring the streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week, and then Matt and I are going to close out the big show by sharing our five favorite DC comic stories that desperately need a big screen adaptation, Matt. So let's get started, and... Shazam! We are at
0: war. We will
1: annihilate everything.
0: Champions of this realm can do nothing to stop us. You are very menacing. I just want you to know that. A lot has changed in the last few years. The wizard gave me superpowers. But then everybody got superpowers from the bottom, now we're here All right here's the situation Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. The daughters of Atlas are
1: coming to hunt us. is told the power of
0: the gods. Shazaya! Ripped it from our father's core. Okay, I feel like maybe I should be writing all this down.
1: So, Matt, I'm really excited that I don't have to hear that trailer anymore. Me Particularly too. the endless loop of the started from the bottom. Now we're here. Mm-hmm. Started from the bottom. Now the whole team is here because <laughs> they also reuse those two verses like over. And over, and I'm pretty sure that song, though I will confess I am not familiar with it, I'm sure there's more verses in that tune than there are represented in the trailer because that's all it is over and over again. Yeah. And when, I try and avoid trailers to begin with anyway, right? So I want to know as little as possible when I go into a film. But man, good God. I am thankful that Shazam 2 is here because now we don't have to see that trailer anymore. Matt, what is Shazam Fury of the Gods
0: all about? Well, you laid out most of it in your intro. Um, Thanks. It's the Shazam family. Uh, they are going around fighting crime, messing things up more than they save things, but they're doing their best. And um, two sisters uh, show up and essentially take the wizard staff that was broken from the first film, reunite it together, and start to get their powers back because they are fallen gods. And... The Shazam family has the power of the gods, so they have to take their powers back so they can create a new world for themselves. Concise? Well done, Matt. I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> Matt, Rachel Zegler says, and tweeted out, you know, this is actually a very good movie. Mm. Is
0: she correct? Well, I don't know if it's a very good movie, but it's not as bad as uh, the 53% on Rotten Tomatoes would lead you to expect. I had an okay time on this. I, I, I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first one, but I didn't hate it. I mean, it was a middling for the most part but i've seen much worse as far as superhero fare goes it doesn't reach any kind of particular heights but it has its moments it's relatively entertaining i think rachel may be selling it a little more than she's because she's in it but otherwise i think it's fine wait so matt are you
1: appropriately rejuiced now for shazam
0: um i wouldn't say rejuiced for shazam i said i was pretty juiced for shazam because i really liked the first one but When I started, you know, seeing the trailer and realized that everybody was at the bottom and now they were here, I suddenly lost. The whole team was here. Mm -hmm. I suddenly, I was like Arnold in his 50s. The juice was leaving my body very quickly. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, uh,
1: you know, I I, I, kind of tend to agree with you, Matt. I don't think this is as bad as some people have been saying. As you said, the 53% on Rotten Tomatoes I think is again, remember that percentage is a cumulative value of review of like what thumbs up or is it worth seeing type submitted. doesn't always mm-hmm. mean it's a bad movie, right? right at 53%. Right. It's right. that algorithm thing's a little tricky. It's not like it's a, a an F film or anything. It's not of that 53%. Right. So I will say, yeah, it's, it's not as cohesive and it's not as tight a film as the original one. Mm-hmm. I would think that I think why the first film was successful, even though I think it struggled with its tone at times, uh, but when it focused on the family and Billy Batson adapting to this new um, family uh, dynamic, though I think tonally, like I said, that's some truly scary monster in effects in that film that kind mm-hmm. of felt like the, almost maybe the golden age of those uh, late 70s and mid to the 80s kind of Disney movies like uh, Something Wicked This Way Come, which is mm-hmm. actually kind of maybe a little scarier than the intended audience should really uh, get into. Uh, but outside of that, I thought the emotional beats of that film worked really well. Here, they don't seem to pop as much for me. I think that this film is a little more chaotic. And I think that it's the family beats feel more perfunctory to me now. It's kind of like a hollow version of the first film. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think they're trying to do too much with too little. Uh, I don't think there's enough there on the kind of meat of it um to kind of really kind of flesh out and and give you the kind of emotional stakes that you had the first time Mm -hmm. around because you know ultimately it was billy and freddie and then it was like billy looking for his mom that was it that was like the family stakes from the first film whereas this they're bringing in everybody the foster parents all this kind of stuff which i appreciate the effort but i think really this thing could have um Again, second week in a row, I think this could have dealt with another pass of, like, maybe script doctoring, maybe stream mm-hmm. it down a little bit, um, jettison a few things. And it sounds like, from what I heard from behind the scenes, they did jettison a few things, but could have done with a little bit more. I think maybe to make it a little tighter, as Alan Tudek would say, you know, just tight.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> think it needs a like one more tune-up. I think some of the jokes don't really land. Mm. Uh, some of them I think are fine, but for the most part, not so much. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it does have a feel of a, a much more expansive film that just needs to be drawn in a little bit. Mm. Another issue I may have had with it too are the effects. Yeah. I think some of the special effects in this are pretty bad particularly like when Lucy Lou's riding the uh, Fear Dragon, mm-hmm. every one of those shots looked pretty bad. Mm. Uh, she always looks, she's in front of a green screen, especially in with the with the Marvel family too, or excuse me, the Shazam family. Mm-hmm. Anytime they're in front, like all kind of together, like in the yeah. sky, again, yeah. bad. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a little too... Like I said, it's a little too chaotic, it's a little too meandering there's too much not too much going on, but it's just it feels like it needs to be tightened up a bit a little bit. That's all, but I still think it's an entertaining film and i had i hate to say it one of the better entries in the d c cinematic universe, yeah, it's still not as good as Shazam One, and we mm-hmm. both gave that film a b plus mm-hmm. uh I don't think it's as good as that film, but still, and then I have another weird thing, Matt, about it too. It's like so. Rachel Zegler's character is 6,000 is 6, years old, and she's hitting on a 17-year-old here. And then, like, how am I supposed to feel about a dolled-up Megan Good, mm. who is playing, what, like a 9-year-old, an 8-year-old <laughs> as well? So that was odd. Uh, but I don't know. I'm fine. Uh, OG Billy Batson makes an appearance, mm. which I liked from the original mm. TV show yeah he's the guy i mean he really stands out he's got the red shirt and the gold um you know sleeves collar yeah, type yeah, thing yeah. and i think one of the big shames for me with well, the big losses for me is that we're i don't think we're going to get mr mind as a main villain no. he shows up as a stinger as a teaser there at the end a post-credit sequence and i don't think we're gonna get that far i think we this may be the end of the road for zachary levi shazam given what james gunn and crew are doing with the dcu going forward yeah uh we get one clever thing i appreciated is that there's a callback to the end of the first shazam movie when they couldn't you know nail down henry cable to be superman so they did a like what is a neck shot down of superman Right. right So they do a kind of a clever callback to that, and they actually yeah. pay it off later in the film. Yes, but by doing so, they under undermine the emotion. The, the, I think one of the few emotional moments that really work in the movie, which yeah. I think you have to expect you're going to see. Yeah, but it robs it of any of its impact. What are your thoughts about that final cameo yeah. appearance and it's, um, what happens? Uh,
0: It felt very fan servicey, and it felt a little... I've never been a big fan of the DC Cinematic Universe, but this is basically kind of... This and Aquaman are going to be our our last gasps of that uh, kind of shared universe for the most part. And, of course, Flash coming up this summer. Honestly, with the way that they're kind of jettisoning everything, I wish they hadn't gone that part. I think you're right. It would have been kind of refreshing to kind of end it on that heroic downbeat kind of thing where I thought would have felt really earned and I felt it would have probably elevated this movie maybe up a, you know, a third of a letter grade, uh, but they didn't, they decided to go with a more kind of rote uh deus ex machina or deus, you know, uh staff machina stuff. Um But I don't know. I, I, I think they missed an opportunity, but I, I understand why they did it. They didn't want it to be too much of a bummer. Yeah, or at least if you're gonna do that,
1: have it not be so obvious. Maybe a, a teaser at the end when the credits roll. There's a hint of some movement or life still left, right? Sure. Instead of it being so blatantly like, ah, yeah, there's that person, <laughs> huh? What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it could be the last time we see that actor in that role as well. Really? Yeah. I don't and- think they. Are, I don't think they're in Flash. I don't believe so.
0: Well, I guess there's there's Flash and there's Aquaman. That's what they got left, so we'll see. Yeah, interesting.
1: Matt, what are your thoughts on Mr. Mind real fast? You I I I'm really upset we're not going to get that little worm as a main villain.
0: You know what? Mr. Mind is one of those villains where it's a real like razor's edge that you walk like you could have like a Modok from Quantumania. Where I, I didn't wasn't bothered as much by Modoc as a lot of people were, but you know, a lot of people thought it was bad, which Mr. Mind could be, or it could be kind of cool, but not enough, like you did with Starro, um, in Suicide Squad. Yeah. So it's it's a real fine line. I think it would have been really fun to see, but I don't know if the creators of this franchise could have pulled it off.
1: That's interesting because I think you're right. Though I think that Mister Mind is a perfect James Gunn villain—just mm-hmm. weird, you know, like Starro. I think yeah. he could definitely run with that. I, that's an interesting point that a Sandberg, uh, the director and crew, would have really amped up the weirdness of having a sentient Venus <laughs> superworm that can has mind control powers and right. such.
0: Well, he was supposed to be in this. The original I script, I guess, had. Mr. Mind and I forget Mark Strong's character's name, but they basically bring the sisters of Atlas back to have them take away Shazam's powers. And that's that was the original treatment of the script.
1: Oh, that would have what I think is it's the character's name is Dr. Savannah, right? Yeah, um, right. Why not?
0: Uh, I guess when they the got time? done writing it, it was, they just figured it, it, they just said it was too much. It was too overstuffed. Um, so they had to excise something and they decided to take out Mr. Mind with the idea initially that they would have a third one and they could, you know, bring him back then and make him the focus yeah. on the third one.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. Cause uh, unfortunately, the uh, fury of the gods is not performing particularly well. Mm. So uh, it's only been a week and it's pulled in 65.5 million as of the recording of this show. Cost about one twenty five to make. Uh, yeah. Uh, and given the current plans as well for the DCU generally. Yeah. Like I said, this might be it. So Yeah.
0: I mean, I will say this, folks. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, hyperbolic back- backlash on some of these kind of underperforming superhero films. I see a lot of one-star and half-star reviews of this on... Uh, letterboxed same thing with quantum mania i don't think either of those films are great but having lived through the 90s and seen what you could get for superhero movies i i I don't think they're as bad as everybody makes it out to be i can't tell if it's backlash if it's just people who never like superhero movies who are just kind of yelling into the echo chamber saying look i told you they were bad i'm not sure but they're not as bad as people say even though they're not the kind of heights of what the genre has to offer
1: so what are you giving us for the grade?
0: I'm going to give a B minus. Um, i may be being a little generous, but I think that's where I'm at.
1: You are. It's a C plus. That's C what I'm giving it as well. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go, folks. If you had a chance to see uh, Shazam Fear of the Gods with all the your thoughts, shoot us an email at feedback at com. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, March 28th. Well, I think if Liam Neeson is going to be retiring at any point, not that he said anything, But I think we have one guy who's ready to take the mantle as the king of the January slash February action film.
0: Come on. There is no full rescue team coming anytime soon. Not for the next 24 hours. All right. We can't wait. They're going to come at us with everything they've got. And we're not going to survive. Now, Daly and I managed to get the power back up on the plane. We only have one chance. And that is me flying us out of here on this thing. No way, no way, no way. Listen, 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 listen. 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 If I didn't believe it could be done. I would not put you guys back on that plane. I have a daughter. And I have every intention of hugging her again and making it home. And I'm telling you that the way home is on this plane. I've got you this far. I just need you to trust me this one more bit, okay? Flight checks. Copy that. Okay, everybody, follow on, Mr. On, Mr. Come
1: on, Kelly. Come on. come on. Listen to that music, swell, Matt. You gotta love it. Gerard Butler is back in the physical release of uh, Plane, Matt. That is our number five. Number five release here as we count down uh, the big releases and physical media this upcoming Tuesday, March 28th. He plays a pilot, Matt, who finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft during just a terrible storm. Terrible storm. It's not on the list yet, though. I don't know if we should uh, check out the plane at some... Excuse me. Just check out plane. And I don't know if this is going to be his thing going forward. Like, next one, he'll do train. Or he'll do, um, I don't know, boat. We'll have to see what happens next. Uh, number four, Matt, or... Four! Storm Reed stars in Missing, the pseudo-sequel to the one with John Cho, which was... I am blanking on the name. I can't remember. It's kind of the found footage, computer, find them movie. What is the John Cho one called?
0: Oh, um.
1: Help me out. Uh, searching? Sure, that works. This is when her mother disappears while on vacation in Colombia with her new boyfriend. She searches for answers, Matt, but is hindered by international red tape. Includes some deleted scenes, hunting for the missing Easter egg, some behind-the-scenes featurettes, and a filmmaker's commentary. I rent it. If you like the first one, I think you'll enjoy this one as well. Get three coffins ready. uh Huh? Uh, Huh? Number three from Criterion is Chilly Scenes of Winter. Joan Micklin Silver's film uh, gets a brand new 4K restoration, uh, documented from 1983. uh, An original ending of the film that was uh, cut before its re release in 1982. And uh, more is being released. What else we got, man?
0: Looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> I still haven't hit it this down yet. I gotta do that. At
1: least I spurred you the five clip. You brought two too many.
0: You know, I was thinking you could use the two use one if you just made it just that, the two utes and that would be and that would be it. That would oh, be yeah. fine.
1: Maybe we'll work that back in. Arrow is yeah. putting out Black Sunday on Blu-ray. A powerful story of a terrorist group attempting to blow up a blimp hovering over the Super Bowl stadium with 80,000 people in attendance. John Frankenheimer, Frankenheimer, John Frankenheimer's film, uh, which includes interviews from 2003 with Kirk Douglas, Sam Jackson, Roy Scheider, Rod Steiger, and more. Brand new audio commentary by film scholar Josh Nelson. Um, a visual essay on the making of the film as well and more. And then, Matt, one of the big indie films of the 90s is finally being released. And I think it's going to be in 4K as well. There
0: can be only one.
1: Party Girl is being released by Fun City. This is the film that kind of blew up Parker Posey, the first film mm. to be released on the internet. It's a brand new 4K restoration. And there's a bunch of new interviews on the making of the film with various cast and crew members, as well as a new audio commentary by Jake Fogelnest, who probably wrote the film uh and more so your 4k releases matt all quiet in the western front the new one is being released in 4k because audio commentary uh cinderella your og the disney version is getting a 4k mm-hmm. release as well as james wan's dead silence i just bought this actually on blu-ray for like four bucks because i didn't own it and i'm like i don't i don't need dead silence in 4k for 30 dollars. <laughs> i just don't uh wanted the uh teamer, uh, yeah. uh what's his name? Breka I don't know, the Russian director who did the day watch, night watch films. Yeah. Which I have not watched since they came out, but I remember really liking. Mm. But I didn't care for Wanted. What were your thoughts on Wanted back in the day?
0: Yeah, I didn't think it was particularly good either. Interesting comic book, but they toned it way, way down for and made it kind of uh less insane. Oh yeah, well, interesting.
1: Uh what else do we have here? Rain Man is getting its release in four K the though i guess it's not really so much a cult film anymore i think people have kind of started to appreciate it for what it is exorcist 3 is getting its 4k Mm -hmm. release as well which is one of the best scares i think of the 90s in it it came out in Mm -hmm. the late 90s right Mm -hmm. um and then finally matt though it's sold out you can't get it it was an exclusive from the studio cauldron films as well as diabolic dvd my shipment should be coming in the next week or so i'm very excited luchio fulci city of the living dead the limited edition gets a brand new 4k set as well as a blu-ray and a soundtrack cd some uh what is it some art cards and a whole bunch of other stuff is coming out one of my favorite fulci films gonna get it in 4k they did announce though there will be a standard edition in 4k as well to be announced in the next month or so so if you didn't get it hang tight and don't those scalpers like there's people on ebay selling this for like 160 bucks already mm. and it's just it's disgusting and i hate you all i have such a <laughs> disdain for scalpers matt dear god and then you're straight to dvd of pick of the week i'm gonna go kids versus aliens all gary wants matt is to make awesome home movies with his best buds all his older sister samantha wants is to hang out with the cool kids when their parents head out of town one halloween weekend Matt, an all-time rager of a teen house party turns into terror when aliens attack forcing the siblings to band together to survive the night. I'm actually sure this is pretty good.
0: Hmm. So uh, what should we be streaming this week? Well, in the advance of the big release this weekend, um, maybe a bit of a spoiler for the end of the show, but Senor the Week is available. Um, you can watch all three of them on Peacock right now. Um, so catch up before we watch the uh, Week 4.
1: I was going to ask you about that. Are you doing a, a wick watch? I am. I watched the first film this weekend. I'm going to maybe watch part two tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe tomorrow night, but I got my 4Ks ready. and I'm very excited.
0: I might, but I watched them towards the end of last year, so it wasn't that long ago that I saw them. So maybe not. We'll have to see.
1: All right. I realized too last night that there's no parabellum, like there's no modifier oh, yeah. or like additional thing at jo- John yeah, Wick 4. Yeah, yeah. It's just John Wick 4. Right. I anticipated they were going to keep doing that going forward, but and maybe even drop the numbering. Yeah. Because that's what some of those, well, that's more of a straight to DVD thing, right? When you want to not realize that you're doing, you know, Sniper <laughs> 42. You just do Sniper, you right? Know, cruising, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. All right. There you go. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> hey, did you watch New Perry Mason yet? I watched the first episode. I haven't watched the second one yet.
0: No, I'm watching uh, Mandalorian season three and uh, Ted Lasso right now.
1: I, uh, yeah, I watched the first episode of Perry Mason. It's pretty good. It's episode two. I had not seen I think episode four, episode three just dropped. What are your thoughts on Ted Lasso season three? I got to tell you that first episode was okay.
0: Yeah. I didn't think it was great, but you know, I trust them well enough. We'll see where the rest of the season takes me. I'll wait usually like three episodes in before I start making out a judgment on the season.
1: That's usually a good policy. We rewatched the entire season, the first two seasons prior to this. Did you, you mm. rewatch as well, or no? I didn't. No. Fair enough. The misses, missus first run adores Ted Lasso, so it was uh, <laughs> a fun little rewatch. Sure. All right, Matt. Let's go ahead then. Keep rolling. It's been a few minutes talking about the latest guy Richie Joint Operation Fortune Rose de Go. Is that the French?
0: Great. Thank you. Wonderful. Turns out everyone thinks you're a superstar, Danny. Once they heard you were in town, they came to us. (laughs) Stop. I don't think I could do this. No, no, no. Danny. Nope. Danny. Trust yourself. No need to be nervous. No reason to be nervous. They're only killers. We've all seen you handle killers before on screen. Fundamentally, there's no difference. (laughs) What do you think an agent does? They act. no one acts better than you, Danny. The best agents are stars. And the best actors a movie stars. I guess that's sort of true. You're an actor. Act.
1: Act, Matt. Act. Operation Fortune. Rose de Guerre. Do I have to roll the R? That's a Spanish <laughs> no, thing, it's, right? No,
0: it's it's no, it's not it's French.
1: Okay. No, that rolling de... of the Rs is a Spanish
0: thing. Oh, that's this, why the roll. Yeah,
1: do it. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's Rue de Guerre. Rue de Guerre. Yeah. Thank you. I took a Latin and Italian. I never got around to French. Hmm. Matt Jason Statham plays Orson Fortune. Oh boy! Oh boy. And uh, Guy Ritchie's latest, he ventures as we sit out in the intro. He ventures out of his, I think, his comfort zone, his wheelhouse, which is the British crime thriller. I think he, I, I I'm not afraid to say, I think he's a master at that genre. Mm-hmm. And every now and then he'll go do something a little different. Your Robin Hoods, whatever the case may be, and he tends to kind of stumble. So, how does this entry in his OVRA, outside of the British crime thriller, more of a spy caper heist film, measure up there? What are your thoughts on Operation Fortune,
0: Ruse de Guerre? Ruse de Guerre? Uh, Chris. So, we were kind of debating back and forth what we were going to watch for a second film. And Chris kind of was like, he, he wanted to watch this film. He likes Guy Ritchie. He's like, uh,. When Guy Ritchie's on, he's an entertaining man. Yes. But the problem with Guy Ritchie is that he's off more than he's on, um, in my humble opinion. Uh, I think, really, this uh, is—I applaud him kind of trying to get out of his wheelhouse, sort of, um, even though it has some of his kind of typical players, especially in Jason Statham, Mm -hmm. who is— this generation's van Dam, uh he doesn't really do it for Ooh. me for the most part for an as an action star the problem with this is we've seen a lot of great action movies and there's a lot of really inventive and clever and exciting things being done in the action genre again we're gonna see one of the the, the new godfathers and john wick mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. up and this is just it's just it's just uninspired. It's just too little, too late. It seems very kind of by-the-numbers spy um, caper film. And besides maybe a few moments that I think are cool, it's just it's just not enough.
1: What I was thinking when I was watching, there's two things. First off, it's like mission impossible, right? <laughs> it, it's The script in this isn't as clever as they think it is. And it's more goofy than it is suspenseful. And I felt like I was watching this. Is It's like someone tried to make a mystery science theater bad spoof movie but messed up and made a reasonably entertaining movie by accident. Mm-hmm. It's like an odd throwback to those mid-80s Bond films. Like everything is kind of outsized while at the same time totally devoid of any consequences. Right. It, I, I, like if you like a view to a kill, and I'll say that I do, I think you'll you're going to enjoy this. But it's it's not great. And there's a weird, odd lack of action. It's like 70-30 talky versus fighty. Mm-hmm. And I was a little kind of confused about that. I think when it hits its points, like you said, I think it does it really well. But there's just a lot of nothing going on in this film. And the script in it is not terribly good. I think they may lean entirely too much into Aubrey Plaza's plaziness. I mean, I'm happy she gets this little sex pot run. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of fun, but it's just, it's played up, I think, a little bit too much. And if there's anything I've enjoyed in this recent run of Guy Ritchie films, it's Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. I think that Grant has been having the time of his life in these last few films with Ritchie. I adore him in uh, The Gentleman. The mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey-led film. I think he's fantastic as the uh, slimy uh, news reporter, and I enjoyed him here as our—I don't think morally ambiguous because he's a bad guy, but he's charming arms mm-hmm. dealer here mm-hmm. in this film as well. Uh, I don't—I don't know. It's—I think it's entertaining enough. I, you know, I think it's worth. It's another laundry movie. Yeah. You know, it's a good movie to have on the background. I think you can drop in and out of it. And it's entertaining enough. I don't know, Matt. It's I'll talk a little bit more about it, but I feel like it's a C, C, C C, C-plus film. And yeah. I think that I gave it a C-plus kind of leaning mostly on Hugh Grant.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I like I Statham. I like Statham. Well, Statham is like a block of wood that runs around and does the same thing in all yes. of his movies. You know, and yes. you're either on board with that or you're not. And I'm not for the most part. So... It is what it is. He's doing the same thing he's been doing for the past 20 years. I agree with you. I think Aubrey Plaza is like weirdly out of place in this. She's not giving her usual oddball performance. It's a much more straight performance. And I don't buy it as much for some Mm -hmm. reason. Like I don't buy her as like a, a normal human being. And I also agree with you that Grant is by far the best part of this. I think the kind of highlight of the film is him sitting down with the, we'll say, the antagonist, the other bad guys. And he's kind yeah. of giving that monologue, he's monologuing or whatever. And it's so on the nose, but it works so well. Is like, you know, Richie keeps putting him more and more in shadows as he's getting more and more scary and stuff. I thought that was really effective. And I thought it was probably the my favorite scene of the whole movie. But uh, yeah, he's definitely the highlight. And um, I look forward to watching him again and seeing more Guy Ritchie movies. And the other... My th- the three that I'm gonna that you're gonna make me watch this year. Uh, since we've got two more coming up before the end of the year. Do we really? Two more? Yeah. Operation Covenant, which looks I've seen the the posters out for it at the movie theater. It looks like it's some kind of war movie. And then of course the gentle men plural uh is supposed to be coming out this year. Oh, I had no idea about that.
1: Look at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene too, which I agree with you is the highlight of the film. It almost feels like that. They, that's the first thing that popped in Richie's mind and he built the rest of the film like around <laughs> that one scene. Like, how do I get to X, right?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Uh, which is too bad. So I, this was on my, I don't think it was on my list for most anticipated, but I was looking forward to it in 2022. Mm. And I was trying to figure out why Why did this not come out? So I looked it up. So supposedly it was supposed to be put out by STX Entertainment, right? But the bad guy henchmen, supposedly this is true, they're all you, you're cr- Ukrainian. Okay. so given the Russian invasion of the of excuse me of Ukraine yeah. that they pulled it because they didn't right. feel that it would be appropriate to have Ukrainians as bad guys in a movie given the current circumstances uh, so Lionsgate bought the US rights and they released it earlier this year and I believe Amazon Prime is going to be showing it in the UK uh, ne- next month
0: yeah it is so coming you- out it is coming out on, on streaming like a on the seventh of April in the UK. So there you go. Uh,
1: but there, there does have some nice richy touches. Like there's a couple times where the the sound design leads into the action or into the score of the film as well. Like the guy walking and finger snapping as well later on. Right? This nice little kind of guy touchy guy Ritchie, I should say, touches. Uh, but overall, it's it's just fine. But mostly forgettable but i still yeah. gave it a c plus because i'm a middle-aged white guy this is kind of right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so
0: well uh much like uh chris's dismissive uh phrase at the end of shazam i gave it a c which is the correct grading It chris, chris is giving a little bit too much credit than it deserves yeah, and i will point right. out i i looked at this the gentleman is a tv series so i only have to watch one more guy Ritchie movie this year
1: oh good for you <laughs> <laughs> i started re-watching that again the other day mm. i just had it on in the background it is so much fun
0: that yeah, is a fun movie, a, and, and, yeah. and
1: also, Colin Farrell is great in that as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, as I said, you know uh, our buddy there, uh, Hugh Grant. So
0: yeah, well, and it did the impossible. It had Charlie Hunnam in it, and didn't sink the whole movie for you. I know. I'm right? <laughs> <No> kidding. <laughs> so, and I would say too, if you had choosing between this and that, uh,
1: go watch the gentleman. I'm, I'm going to yeah. be honest with you, that's a much superior film. Uh, I don't know what are your thoughts. Shoot an email at feedback at the dot com. As you said, Operation Fortune is actually still playing in theaters right now. But it will be available to rent or stream, I think, in short order, if it's not already in some places. Matt, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show then and share our five favorite DCU graphic novels, stories, whatever the case may be, that we'd love to see adapted into film. The problem is I think you and I have like the same one, too. I'm just not sure in which order. Mm -hmm. and they're also the laziest for uh, oh i I should say lazy but the most (laughs) obvious i think choices in the entire dc canon sure so we can maybe spend a couple minutes on the honorable mentions as well in case there's anything that may not be as obvious to people sure but um yeah this would have been one of mine matt this clip we're about to hear but they made it into an animated film so if it was an animated movie it gets cut from my list so Dear boss, Gotham has become a den of filth and scum. I am down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I hardly gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work, cutting whores
0: and them degenerates what would defend them. A little light reading, Master Bruce. Them cusses of coppers nor the false god you hide behind won't spoil the game for me. I will be on
1: the job soon and will send you another bit of innards.
0: Goes on like that in some detail about his dissection plans. Mrs. Cooper has sent up a portage. Bon appétit. And what do you deduce from this magnum opus? Very little. Cheap paper with no watermark. The hand is that of a man with some education disguised to look like a man with none. I'm certain your displays of graphology will duly impress any young ladies you encounter.
1: Women are a distraction from the mission,
0: Alfred. (laughs) So you said.
1: Yeah, clearly. Over and over and over. So that, of (laughs) course, is Bruce Greenwood, Matt, as Batman, in Gotham by Gaslight. Mm. Uh, One of my favorite of the uh, Batman Elseworlds stories, where he basically is set in uh, Whitechapel in old uh, London as he hunts down Jack the Ripper. So uh, I've always loved Gotham by Gaslight. But they made an animated movie out of it that I have not seen But it is off the list because they did, in fact, adapt it. Matt, why don't you go ahead and start us off. What is the fifth favorite DC property you'd love to see adapted?
0: All right. So I would like uh, DC to be a little little less self-serious. My favorite films from the last cycle of their attempt at at a shared universe have been Shazam, as we talked about and Aquaman, which both kind of lean into the ridiculousness of it. And so they're a little bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. I think really what DC could use, we'll see what happens when Blue Beetle comes out later this year. Mm. But I think they could use something with a little more lower stakes, a little bit of levity. So I would actually like to see a, a later run version of Batgirl. Uh, maybe when she's, uh, they did some runs of her where she's actually still in high school. And I, I think making it more, to kind of maybe snipe on some of my, you know, Marvel bias, make it a little bit more of like a Spider-Man kind of feel to it, or at least kind of like in tone, I think that could really work. I think seeing a younger crime fighter, not something super heavy, relatively low stakes, you know, um, I thought, I think that could be a lot of fun.
1: So is this Barbara Gordon or is
0: this? Yes, this would be Barbara Gordon, considering all the other ones are all tragic and, you know, or killers or something like that.
1: Fair. All right. So then, my number five, Matt, is going to be uh, James Robinson's adaptation, uh, "The Golden Age," which is an Elseworlds, World excuse me, title in featuring the JSA. Uh, they win World War II. They come home. Some of the heroes get lost. Some kind of continue on. And uh, Manhunter has is haunted by these dreams of something that happened in Germany at the end of the war. And then a uh, new superhero shows up called Dynaman, which is basically kind of like Superman in uh, this Elseworlds tale. Except, Matt, except, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but it has a great reveal at the end as the uh, JSA has to regroup, come together, and stop this diabolical villain, the worst villain perhaps the world has ever seen. And uh, it is just a great treatment of the JSA up against a truly horrific villain and uh, great art as well but i the problem with some of these man I'm gonna find is sometimes they require build up ahead of time like that's mm. why crisis isn't on my list because right. I think you'd have you'd need like twenty years of d c movies to really make properly make crisis on infinite earths uh, this one maybe not because it's gonna be set. You know, I think in the 50s or 60s after World War II, probably the 50s, I guess. But still, do you ever read uh, Golden Age? No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. So, But it's one of my favorite JSA stories. So that's okay. five.
0: All right. So my number four then is um, one of my favorite characters of the Vertigo imprint. Um, he's been around in TV, uh, a movie version, several animated versions. But I would love for them to get a big screen treatment to my man. John Constantine. I would love for them to take another big screen stab at it. Um, Honestly, the Keanu Reeves movie is not bad at all. If you just kind of don't think of it as a John Constantine story and just think of it as like a supernatural detective thing, it's actually a lot of fun, but I really would like them to get something more official, get him up on the screen and I'm sorry, folks, as much as I love the Sandman adaption, I don't want to see Joanna Constantine. I want to see I want to see uh, the smoking blonde bastard.
1: So, yeah, I I didn't do a Constantine because I felt there's so many adaptations of him mm-hmm. that have existed already. Mm-hmm. Um, though, granted, a couple of mine coming up don't doesn't matter for that. But it, it's mm-hmm. more like what would you, is there a particular storyline that you're looking for, like critical mass or would it be like the first one? The first right. series? or Well, so
0: obviously, you know, one of my favorites is Dangerous Habits, but they kind right. of did that for for Constantine, the original. I think Brian Azzarello's run yeah. where he's in America at least is not great. But I think the first arc where he gets put in prison, I think in an American prison is really a lot of fun and is particularly horrifying and creepy as he basically magically takes over the prison.
1: That would be interesting. Yeah, I, the thing, too, is I couldn't settle on like Jamie Delano's run, but that's so focused on uh, the the culture and the politics of England at the time when it came out in the 80s yeah. that I don't know if it would have any kind of cultural significance for us now as right. it did back then. I think that is a, an interesting, a really interesting idea, though, is Azarella's run – And then Garth Ennis' run, I think, too, is another whole thing. Like, like, that's what the critical mass is. And Dangerous Habits, right? That's Garth Ennis' run as well. Right. So, yeah, I just couldn't settle on one of them. That's why I I just couldn't figure out what to do with it. Sure. So, uh, yeah. I bought that TV show. The TV show was okay. It had Mm -hmm. some issues, but I think it's as close as we've gotten so far. True. And so, yeah, I think I bought it for like 7 bucks on iTunes. Mm -hmm. I have not rewatched it yet, though, since it came out. All right, my number four, then, is one I've been pushing anytime this subject even remotely comes up. And that is, again, the James Robinson uh, story, which is Jack Knight as Starman. It would be the first series, Sins of the Father, that introduces the character. Well, he's introduced in that Zero Hour event, but introduces the character, establishes Jack Knight's universe. He's the son of the original Starman. And his brother, actually his older brother, takes over as Starman in the very beginning. And basically, is like immediately assassinated by the uh, daughter of one of his arch villains, the Mist. And he has to protect his family and then get revenge. And but he's the reluctant superhero. And it's just one of those stories I've always enjoyed. And I I love that entire James Robinson and run. Tony Harris is one of my favorite artists. I have a couple of his original art pieces of his comic pages as well. Uh, but yeah, so I would. I'm desperate to see some Starman adaptation at some point. But I went with Star Girl instead for mm. the uh CW or I guess the D C HBO Max thing. So I don't All know right. if it's ever gonna happen at this point,
0: but that's my four. Yeah, you know what? I I did sign up. uh Kind of off topic a little bit. I did end up signing up for DC's version of Marvel Unlimited, yeah. and I haven't been. Same thing with Marvel Unlimited. I I buy a year pass. You know, it's only like whatever it turns out to be, like you know, five six dollars a month or whatever after you pay. But I, I barely use it. But that is in my queue. Uh, is the because you talk about it all the time, and I never read any of it. Is that that Starman run? Yeah, I, I absolutely adore it. So, yeah. All right. What do you got? All right. So number three, again, I think is another one that comes up a lot for me anyway. Um, that is, uh, Booster Gold, a, mm-hmm. another kind of, uh, lighthearted take on the DC universe. Um, essentially he's a con man from the future. He's got all this kind of super technology, um, that makes him be able to masquerade as a, as a superhero. Um, he's closely titled tied to uh blue beetle, but I think if you did it in a kind of a, You know, uh, give it kind of again a Guardians type tone. I think it could be a lot of fun. That would be
1: fun too. But I would an honorable mention for me. It would be JLI. But I'll Mm. we can talk about that afterwards in case it ends up on your list. My number three then is the Flash, but it's the Wally West Flash, the return of Barry Allen. Now, unfortunately, this won't happen now because Barry Allen has firmly been established as The Flash in this continuity. And I think, too, with James Gunn's run, it's going to be Barry Allen. And it would take a long time to introduce Wally West in this capacity. He's Kid Flash in the beginning. Barry Allen dies in crisis. And eventually, Wally takes over the role. And the return of Barry Allen is that he comes back. He escapes from his death at the end of Crisis. And it's, it's Wally dealing with the ramifications of him now being once again replaced by his father figure and his mentor. Except maybe things are not as they seem. Uh, And it has a great twist, one of the best reveals, I think, in comics that I can remember seeing. This is during Mark Wade's run. I think Greg LaRock was the artist of this. But after that, uh, you had some just dynamic artists would kind of get their start on The Flash. Um, Mike Waringo. uh, was Carlos Pacheco, Salvador La Roca, all these great artists got their run beginning with The Flash working with Wade. and uh, But the return of Barry Allen is fantastic. And after that would be Terminal Velocity when Wally finally accepts who he is and surpasses Barry as, as a superior, more powerful Flash. Gets through kind of that mental block and is able to do it. So uh, that Wade run, though, is one of my all-time favorite comic runs, too. If you haven't read any of the Wade Flashes... I cannot recommend it highly enough, but Return of Barely Allen probably be the one that I would choose.
0: Very good. All right. So my number two then is the one of two layups that I guess are appearing on both of our lists, so mm-hmm. we'll see how they how they, they play out. So my number two then is um you know the quintessential superhero comic. I think if you were going to make a kind of series of uh what are the canonized runs? This would have to be up there and would be a first ballot hall of famer. That would be Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, pieces of it and the mood of it has been kind of aped and used many times over. Um, but I would love to just kind of see outside of continuity, just do the actual story justice and, I you know an old man Batman who's all broken down decides to come back and is basically just shows what a, an obsessive crazy person is uh, written by what turned out to be an obsessive crazy person in the beginning where he's coming back and like the newscasters are like and the cops are like seeing evidence of him and they're just like you know in all that kind of like four page thing is just is some of the best uh, you know comic writing that's out there.
1: Yeah, it's Dark Knight Returns is my number two as well. Mm. Uh, you can say there's some opinions, I guess, that say that ruined the character of Batman mm. forever mm-hmm. after that because it brought it back or at least introduced for sure the malevolent, avenging, dark, brooding Batman mm. that had been gone from the comics, I think, since what the impact of the 60s showed, even before that, the 40s and 50s. I mean, you're not going to see Batmite for the most part in the Dark Knight Returns universe, right? And the Miller would revisit the character two more times to uh, diminishing returns, as putting it lightly, I think. Right. But the Dark Knight Returns is one of those legendary uh, comic books that I would love to see adapted. And I think it'll never happen uh, because I think Ben Affleck is done. But I really feel that that would really could be something special if uh, – Ben Affleck came back to do Dark Knight Returns. I don't know if Bale would be the appropriate role for that for him. No. I just don't know if he could pull that character off. But Affleck could.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And what's funny is um, we've already put to the lie your adaption thing because there is an animated adaption of the Dark Knight Returns. So.
1: Oh, that's right. There is. In fact, I own it. Great. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I've never watched it, but I own it.
0: It's pretty good. It's pretty faithful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Crap, I totally forgot about that. All right. Well, well I'll make my number two would be Arkham Asylum then. I don't know.
0: <laughs> there you go. Pretty good. Fair enough. All right. Well, right, so why don't more. you give us our ultimate number one, Chris?
1: Well, it's it's Mark Wade and uh, Alex Ross's Kingdom Come. Mm. The uh, future Elseworld story where Superman has abandoned the world. He lives in a fake farm in the Fortress of Solitude. And the uh, young superheroes have kind of taken the place of all the original kind of classic legends, except they're a little more careless a little more violent. And then there's a catastrophic event that results in the deaths of thousands of people. And Superman is kind of brought back. He kind of feels like I had to come back and kind of calm down because the specter shows up, talks to this one lone witness guy, right? This uh, former preacher, this former reverend, and basically tells him the end of the world is coming. Mm. And, uh, it's beautifully illustrated dealing with some adult themes, but it is like, I think, I don't know. Is it the
0: greatest thing DC has ever published kingdom come? What do you think? It's up there. I mean, it's certainly on the shortlist conversation for it. Um, I personally would probably say the Sandman run is better for me, but mm-hmm. kingdom come is like a tight thing as a singular story is, yeah. is, is it's, it's really in the conversation. I wouldn't argue with you if that's what you wanted the position you wanted to take.
1: Yeah, I would probably, I think unshockingly probably go with that Starman run as my favorite mm-hmm. thing they've ever done. But when it comes as you said the 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 prestige limited event series, mm-hmm. they, there's like Kingdom Come, there's Crisis and I think like those are the big two, right? Right. Uh, I know they've done New Crises and a bunch of to- a bunch of times. They had Zero Hour, they had Armageddon, they had all, of, you know, all this stuff. Final Crisis uh the year one reboots, what did they call it? Was it year one reboot? Whatever that was, and they redid uh, everything.
0: New 52. There's
1: that too. Yeah, that was, yeah yes. I mean, there's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Kingdom Come is. When it comes to just scope, epic scope, it's Crisis and Kingdom Come, I think, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, I think just the sheer. Yeah, I don't know, man. Kingdom Come is, I think, is the number one adaptation you'd want to see.
0: Any honorable mentions for you? So even though we've gotten both of these uh, in in animated form, I think it'd be cool to see it live-action. Red Sun, which Mm -hmm. is an Elseworlds story, whereas what if uh, Superman had landed in the USSR? What would the world look like then? And uh, Injustice, um, it's kind of like... uh, Another one of these Superman goes crazy and it's uh, essentially the Joker kills Lois Lane and he loses his mind and basically blames Batman for not taking care of the Joker earlier on. And they basically have a, a clash between the superheroes who agree with Superman and the ones who agree with Batman. And then one of the weird new 52s dial H for hero um, had a very small run, but it was a lot of fun where basically this guy had a, a magic phone booth. And if he, Called a number, it would give him a different superpower every time he did it. It was way, way out there and weird. And then um, one of their weird new Batman runs, um, which was stupid, but they had a version and elsewhere's ones called the Batman Who Laughs, where basically the Joker essentially breaks the Batman and he, Batman kills the Joker and like takes his place. And it's like a combination Batman Joker. I don't like that. <laughs> Is it <laughs> good? It's it's uh it's disturbing, is really what it is. It's really just how out there it is.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh I had uh Darwin Cook's uh, The New Frontier, which is kind of an updated alternate take on the uh, 1950s stuff, a lot of JSA stuff, but this is what includes Superman and Batman and all that stuff and a wonderful retro design in regards to the illustration. Well that was Cook's whole thing. That's his his work. Uh, Dan Jolly and Tony Harris did JSA: The Liberty Files, which is an Elseworlds title of basically Batman and Superman, and I like, think it's really Batman, Sandman, and I'm trying to blanking on who the other hero was, but it's a basically a World War II spy thriller, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Superman, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? And for the Man Who Was Everything, two classic Superman stories. I think one of them has been adapted though into an animated one film or special. Uh, we talked about Batman: Arkham Asylum. At least I mentioned it. Green Lantern Rebirth. I'd like to mm. see the Spectre at some point. If it's um, not the uh, adaptation of Ostrander's Crime and Punishment, there's the, the Green Lantern one where Hal mm-hmm. Jordan gets redemption for wiping out Co City as Parallax. Yeah. Uh, he comes back as the Spectre, which was an interesting take on the character I enjoyed. Uh, Batman the Cult, where he goes up against the Cult leader. Um, yeah. Was that written? Uh, who wrote that? Was it Denny O'Neill that wrote that? I know it was illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. And then um, we talked about, oh, Batman Night of the Beast would be about a nice 2023 update where Batman goes up against a Russian assassin, which is uh, pretty fun. And he ends up cutting the guy's hand off and then I think locks him in a, like a room in a, an underground in a, in the sewers and just leaves him there to die, which is...
0: Okay, Batman.
1: Yeah, I don't... <laughs> And then uh, a couple of the weird ones, Matt. Um, I would throw in there Resurrection Man, which is similar to Dial H for Hero, which is a guy mm. every, he dies every time he dies, he comes back to life with a new superpower. Okay, uh, Justice League International for something fun, where uh, of course we've already used Maxwell Lord, but basically the uh, the incorporation of the Justice League. But this is the JMD Matias run with Kevin McGuire and Keith Giffen that was one of my favorites as a kid. Just hilarious. Funny take off the Justice League, and then Aztec, a uh, Grant Morrison run about a uh, Aztec, Aztecan uh, focused superhero he ends up joining the Justice League when Grant Morrison took over that that run. Okay. I'd always liked Aztec, and then finally Kronos, which um, a, a a thief basically finds like this time disc from the original villain Kronos. And he uses it basically... He's an anti-hero. He goes and gets involved in these heists and stuff and ends up doing the right thing. Uh, I think John Francis Moore wrote that. Uh, had a very limited run. I think only ran for 12, 13 issues as well. But I really really like Kronos. It's a fun little idea. So uh, I guess that's that's it for me, folks. What do you want to do? Oh, wait. And then I think I mentioned briefly Armageddon. But do the real version. There's the uh, Waverider. Comes mm-hmm. back in time 50 years because one of the superheroes has gone bad. and conquered the world. He's known as Monarch. And he comes back in time to try and stop it from happening and to figure out who the DC hero is that turns bad. And they built it all up that it was real was going to be that it was Captain Adam. But I guess it leaked out that that's who it was. So at the last minute, they changed it to Hank Hall, to Hawk from Hawk and Dove. yeah, And ruined kind of the whole thing. So uh, I think they kind of retroactively changed it later on. But still, that would have been a really kind of fun thing to see. But again, like a lot of these, you have to have all these characters firmly established before you can do right. these big events. Right. So there you go. What are your thoughts? What famous or what doesn't have to be famous? What DC property or storyline adaptation would you like to see brought to the screen? It's just an email at feedback at the first dot com. Matt, what should we be streaming next week?
0: mean what are we gonna watch next week
1: oh yeah that too streaming <laughs> what's wrong with me
0: what are we discussing next uh, week we're gonna discuss jan wick john wick four. one of my most anticipated films of 2023 and the early buzz is that it is great maybe even the best one to date which is a bold statement
1: yeah, I, I tossed Marlowe in there as a second film, but I am open. I also put in Emily the Criminal and then Puss in Boots from when we do Super Mario Brothers. I thought that might be a good match between yeah. those two. Okay. But I'm open for the next week's second film. So okay. uh, if you want to do some digging and throw me some options, uh, I'm open. In the right, meantime... Folks, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and find... uh, Search for the first run. Leave us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And then uh, I guess uh, that's going to be it, Matt. We just recorded or dropped our episode of Screen Run with Jeff from Films at Home for Prince of Darkness, which dropped uh, this past Monday. It's a fun, great little episode. You can check that one out and uh we're recording they live uh tomorrow so uh, That's that'll be good all right folks we're gonna go ahead take an extended break we we'll love you very much take care of yourselves and we will see you soon
0: you were just randomly putting that book on the shelf is that it You've just given us a great idea. I mean, why are we wasting our time with the Dewey Decimal System when your system is so much easier, much easier? We'll just put the books anywhere. Hear that, everybody? Our friend here has given us a great idea. We'll just put the books any damn place we choose. We don't care, right?